time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey, everybody, and welcome. It's Chrissy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here, and this is episode 105 of our podcast, where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton. But most importantly, we hug chickens every day and we kiss them too. Don't forget, we brew coffee from a little coffee house here in Bel Air, Maryland. Holly Ann, what kind of coffee are we brewing today? Nutcracker. It's a Christmas blend. Are you ready to sip some coffee and chat? I am. But first, a word from our sponsor. We have some exciting news to share from our sponsor, Grubbly Farms. This month, you can receive 30% off if you're a first-time buyer. I'm a longtime subscriber, and my flock love the healthy, nutritious treats, plus all products ship free. If you haven't heard, Grubbly's has a fantastic layer pellet and crumble feed. It's packed with plant and insect protein. It's perfect for those picky chickens and ducks. This offer does not apply to subscriptions and cannot be combined with any other discounts. It's a great time to try Grubbly Farms if you haven't yet. Use the code CWTCL30 for 30% off your first purchase. Try it today. Okay, so nutcracker coffee because it's that time of the year. It's a real nutcracker. (laughs) We love Christmas blends of coffee. How about you guys out there? Do you love some Christmas blends? They always smell really good. They smell really good. They always have like some berry hints in there. Some good stuff. Spices. Oh, Yeah, yeah. It's nice. And you know we love our coffee. So how are you doing? Great. Getting ready for Christmas. This is the time of the year where I just kind of shift in the auto drive. You know what tomorrow is? Your birthday! (laughs) It's your birthday. Tomorrow! It's that special, special day. I'm 35. Woo! (laughs) Girl, you look good. Does that mean you get one chicken for every year? I think that's how you celebrate a birthday. Oh, yeah. Joe, we need five more runs. Uh, Yeah. I like that. That's a new tradition. Chickens for your birthday. Yeah. I want chickens for my birthday. Yeah. Well, happy birthday. Thank you. It's a big one, and yours is in 22 days. I don't know what you're talking 23 about. 23 days. 23 days. Did you like what I got you for your birthday? What'd you get me? <laughs> it might have involved chickens. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure it involved chickens. Yeah. Wait, do I get to request my cake, too? Yeah. I want a cake. Of course you're getting a cake. What flavor do you want? I don't know. I think the mocha with the peppermint icing. Have I done that before? Yes. Okay. You did it before. Okay. That's I don't even remember one. what I, <laughs> I don't even remember like, what I put I've together. I've so many damn cakes. I don't know. We will do mocha and peppermint. That sounds good. Yeah. So, okay. How is it going over at your house? How's Martha, our Martha and the babies? Oh my God. They're so big and healthy. It's, good. it's amazing how fast they grew. Martha's probably tired of them at this point. <laughs> Martha's like, she okay, be, you're grown. <laughs> she may be ready to go back outside. I don't know. Then again, she's been in the cushy nursery all this time. She's like, it's nice and warm in here, man. Uh-huh. She's like, but can we get a different home for these kids? They're <laughs> driving me nuts. So I think my current count, I think I have three cockerels and two hens. We were talking about this the other day yeah. and you were saying, I was like, of course, it's always more boys than girls. Right. Always. Well, it's that 60-40 rule. <laughs> I mean, it's possible that I have them reversed. I'm not 100% positive, but that's my current You were guess. dead on last time, though. Their posture is different and their little combs <laughs> a little different. So yeah, we'll see. They're cutie babies. You got to get me more videos. I got to get more videos up there. I think she doesn't have them under her as much now. So I think she'll probably start letting me get more. She's like, okay, maybe. Yeah. Well, they get on top of the brooder plate and fly off, which is the cutest <laughs> thing ever. 
<laughs> little cutie pies. Anyway, the molting is still going on at this house. Oh, yeah. I'm just like, one stops and another one. Lucy's finally growing in the feathers, mm-hmm. thank God, and starting to eat more again. And then spicy. Oh, yeah. I swear to you, she looks like a ragamuffin because her comb was so big and floppy. Uh-huh. Now it's just deflated and Oh, floppy. poor girl. She just looks like a ragamuffin. I'm like, oh my gosh. I have one last molting hen, a little franny, the leg bar. Yeah. And, oh, it's awful. But yeah, it's been a long, rough molt season, man. I know. I'm serious. Yeah. It's almost December. They've got to get this over with. Yeah. And right now we're sort of in that place where we're letting like all the holiday stuff numb us to the fact that January's a Coming. month away. Yeah. And all the snow. Oh, uh, no, no. Our poor friends up in Buffalo. I hope everyone's okay up there with the five to six feet of snow they got. Well, that would have been or two, two weeks ago. ago. Yeah. yeah. Oh, not fine. Nope. Not fine. No. Okay. So you could do us a big favor. If you're listening to our show and you're loving it, head over to Apple Podcast and leave us a written review. It does amazing things for the growth of our show. And it's one of our favorite things to do is read these reviews and put smiles on our faces. While you're there, hit that subscribe button. That way you never, ever miss an episode. And it's another great way that we grow. You can also tell a chicken-loving friend about the podcast. You can share your favorite episodes on social media. You can visit our Etsy shop. Christmas is coming and we have t-shirts and fantastic mugs waiting for you to purchase them. You can become a patron of the show, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Join our growing ranks of really, really fantastic patrons. And the other thing you can do to help support the podcast is visit our show notes, use our affiliate links and discount codes, and buy products from our sponsors. Yay! Hey, Chris. Yeah. Do you like subscription boxes? Does it have anything to do with chickens? Of course. Then yeah. Let me take a minute to tell you about the chicken love box. If you love goodies for your chickens and you, you need to go to chickenlove.com. I love the mega box. Tons of useful products for my flock and a chicken tea for me. You can't go wrong with a chicken tea. They are so cute and so soft. In the November box, I absolutely love that glass rooster cutting board and the woven chicken tea towel. I adore those Santa chicken hats and scarves, and I cannot wait to hang those chicken ornaments up on my chicken tree. Boxes start at $39 a month. They ship immediately after your order, and shipping is always free. Such a great deal. Don't wait. Get off the nest and click already. Use the code CWTCL50 for 50% off your first box of a three-month subscription or more. That's chickenlove.com. That's chickenluv.com. Get your subscription today. Have you heard of Strong Animals Chicken Essentials? They make natural supplements for your flock. Strong Animals has used plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Their products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to support the immune system and digestive health. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals health products. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today. The Breed Spotlight is brought to you by Murray McMurray Hatchery. Defining quality for generations. For over a century, Murray McMurray Hatchery has remained a trusted family-owned business, working tirelessly to ensure our poultry meet the highest standards. Whether you are an experienced enthusiast or just embarking on the journey, look to McMurray Hatchery for guaranteed quality rare and heritage breeds, low minimums, and all the supplies you need to raise your flock. Request a free catalog today. That's time for Breed Spotlight, yeah! Yes. 
for a minute there, I thought you were going to compose like a pseudo nutcracker <laughs> for the... This week's Breed Spotlight is... The, the Plymouth Rock. The Plymouth <laughs> Rock. 2.0. So this was really interesting. The Plymouth Rock was one of the earlier breeds developed in the U.S. Yes. And it's one of the most convoluted origin stories we have seen so far. But it's also one of the most popular breeds in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Needless to say, they're super popular in the U.S. Carlo Farms does have two barred rocks. (laughs) Well, they were one of our first breeds when I flown farm. So, yeah. Now, the Plymouth Rock name has led some folks to believe that this chicken arrived in the U.S. on the Mayflower. We're telling you that did not happen. It did not happen. No. The Mayflower reached land in 1620. And the first Plymouth Rock chickens did not show up for another 230 years. They were not there. They were not there. (laughs) Uh, For more about chickens or the absence of chickens on the Mayflower, check out episode number 51. Oh, it's our Thanksgiving episode from last year. Mm -hmm. We talk all about Thanksgiving and coming over on the Mayflower and how there were not chickens. (laughs) Spoiler alert. (laughs) So Plymouth Rocks are large chickens with generally laid-back personalities and a wide variety of colors. You could say laid-back personalities with people. Definitely with people. With their flock mates. It's kind of a toss-up what you're going to get. You need to be aware of your flock dynamics Mm -hmm. if you're adding in barred rocks. Yeah. I mean, in general, like if you're just having a whole flock of barred rocks, they're amazing. We've been doing this for two years. And across the board, I've heard mixed reviews Mm -hmm. on flock dynamics with barred rocks. Right, right. There are people who say they're absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. And then there are other people that say they're troublemakers. We'll talk about that a little more when we get to the jobs that the birds do. But it, it really is something to look into. But for the record, like you said, they're amazing with people. Yeah. The Plymouth Rock has yellow legs, straight comb, red faces and earlobes, and long, broad bodies. Yeah. Roosters are big. Eight to nine and a half pounds. That's pretty big. And the hens are six to seven and a half pounds. Poor Penny. I had Penny. Rest in peace, Penny. She passed away last year. She was always smaller, Mm -hmm. tiny, like half the size of everybody else. Mm -hmm. And the other barred rocks that I had, the other two were, you know, the larger, like, six-plus pounds. Yeah. Our two barred rocks were Babette and Sylvia. Yeah. And Babette and Sylvia were big hands. Babette especially. She was a big girl. The barred rocks, generally, their body shape and everything reminds me a lot of the Sussex. I could see that. They have, like, a big body, but it's not round. It's a It's a longer, broader. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. body. But they have the ability to carry that weight. Yes. And they're not over-feathered. No, they're not. I mean, they look like very well-built chickens. I mean, they're a very attractive chicken. Yeah. For a reason, they're that popular. For sure. So the Plymouths come in a bunch of different colors. We know the most popular is the Bard. That's right. There's also a white. Buff. Silver penciled. Partridge. Colombian. And blue. Now, the Colombian, they're interesting to me because they are a mix of the light Brahma and the Bard Rock. Bard rocks are used in a lot of mixing of chicken breeds. Yeah. So you always got these different things at the farm supply stores where you got this rock Mm -hmm. and that rock. Right. So there are, believe it or not, lots of color varieties. Now, the silver penciled are really beautiful. Their foundation breeds include the dark Brahma and the Wyandotte. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you don't see silver pencil. That's one you don't see in your farm supply store very often. No. And they are beautiful chickens. The partridge is also very pretty. We both love partridge yes. colorway anyway. The partridge is very pretty. And their foundation breeds include the partridge cochin, the dark cornish, the brown leghorn, and the golden lace wine dot. Wow, that was a party of genetics going on there. Uh, beautiful chickens too. Now the whites seem like they came from a couple of different places. And the one I've seen mentioned in several sources was a natural white sport of the bard rock. 
You could see that. Yeah. Now, at one point early on, there was a peacombed barred rock, and it did appear in the APA standard of perfection, but it was dropped pretty early on. Yeah. If it's a peacomb, that's probably a leftover from, from Wyandotte. Or the Brahmas that they yeah. wrote into them. So this is also interesting. There is a Black Plymouth Rock in the UK. Ooh. We're going to get into the history in a second, but the UK has been keeping and breeding Plymouth Rock since the 1870s. Yeah. They're very popular there as well. So. I mean, it's a very sturdy, purposeful chick. I put the Plymouth Rock in the same category as the Delaware. They're like sort of like unsung heroes, but they're just solid, fantastic chickens. Yeah, definitely. The Buckeye could probably be in that category as well. Yeah. yeah. So the Plymouth Rock, for a whole lot of reasons, was a strong favorite amongst the early poultry historians. Because there were so many of them. In the New American Poultry Book, John Taggart spends two pages basically singing a love song to the Plymouth Rock. Honestly, (laughs) a lot of people really sing these praises of the Bard Rocks. John Taggart calls them the best all-purpose fail and an unequaled out-and-out American breed that can adapt to pretty much anything. And then we got to get our man in here, Lewis Wright. Lewis Wright takes considerable interest in them, and he devotes an entire chapter of course, to Lewis the Plymouth does. Rock. Pretty much any poultry journal that was written from the late 1800s through the early 1900s will have an article about Plymouth Rocks in there. Well, when you look back even at early American art, they were on every farm. Well, I feel like at a certain point, your Dominique morphed into Bard Rocks. Yeah. I mean, not literally, but you know, you saw the decline of the Dominique and the rise of the Bard Rock. Right. People still love this chicken. To this day, Mm -hmm. it's probably right behind like Rhode Island Red and Leghorn as in in popularity. Probably. Now, various sources mention that the Plymouth Rock was first introduced to the public in 1850 by John Bennett from Massachusetts, and he's the author of the American Poultry Book that was published in 1851. Bennett claimed that he developed this bird and he named it. His mix included Cochins, Dorkings, and the recently arrived West Indian chickens. Which we talked about. We talked about that in the Ermanette Breed Spotlight, yeah, right? exactly. This original Plymouth Rock did not prosper for whatever reason. And it's essentially slid off the page for a couple of decades. Yeah. In 1869 and 1870, the Plymouth Rock popped back up again. Now, this time it was the Bard Rock. That was the first color we created. Right. Beloved of so many people. The Bard Plymouth Rocks to this day remain the most popular of the rock family with backyard and hobby chicken farmers. I mean, it's a beautiful chicken. The color pattern, the way the feathers are barred. Cuckoo or barred feathers. I think they're beautiful. They're beautiful. They don't lose their appeal for me. No, it's just a beautiful feather pattern on top of being a very purposeful chicken. Right. Now, according to the American Poultry Association Standard of Perfection, the foundation breeds of the Bard Rock are supposed to be a Dominique Rue and Black Cochin Hens or Black Java Hens. Cochins are so much within this breed. Where are the feathered legs? I don't know. I don't know enough about the feathered leg gene to know if that's a dominant, a recessive, I mean, whatever. You would think because Cochins are all over this breed. Well, there's Brahma in a lot of the colorways too. So I'm not sure about that. A it's Bard a good Rock question. with some feathered legs would be really cool. Well, you know, there is a Cuckoo Cochin. They are so <laughs> stinking cute. So anyway, the boring gene would originally have come from the Dominic Rooster, of course. Mm -hmm. Males have two copies of the boring gene and females carry one. Okay. And that causes incomplete pigment on dark feathers. The result of that is a black feather with bars of no pigment. So they appear white. The barred rock tends to have a wider and more clearly graphic and regular black and white bar than the Dominique. And the Cuckoo Morans also. Yeah, it's true. Especially the barred rock hens. I feel like they definitely have a wider bar and more regular bar. They have more white. 
for they sure. They do, yeah. Now, because the roosters have two copy of the gene, their feathers are a bit lighter in color, and they do have slightly smaller barring. Mm-hmm. We touched on this a little earlier. Barred rocks are extremely popular foundation breeds for auto-sexing chickens. They're in a lot of chickens. Yeah. It's kind of like the Rhode Island Red. This chicken is used over and over again mm-hmm. to create different chickens. And then they're also used to have different color varieties within their own breed. Right. It's because it's such a good, sturdy, hardy bird. It's an excellent foundation. There's no doubt about that. And the way the barring gene works, I do get why they use that for auto-sexing chickens. Oh, yeah. And just a little aside, the white Plymouth Rock actually is some of the foundation stock for the modern broiler industry. Let's go back to the 1800s. Can I wear a 1800s dress? Only if you wear a powdered wig with it. (laughs) I'd wear a powdered wig. I will. Yeah. There were several breeders working on Plymouth Rock breeding programs in the New England area, and they all had the same goal. They wanted that true dual-purpose American chicken. This chicken is known as the American chicken. One of them. Yeah, along with Rhode Island Red. Rhode Island Red is always going to wear that crown. So these breeders, they got it done, even though there were at least seven of them claiming that their strain was the true Plymouth Rock. Now, the Bard Rock appeared in the American Poultry Association Standard of Perfection in the first edition in 1874. Of course. It was followed by the white in 1888, the buff in 1894, the silver penciled in 1907, and then the partridge and the Colombian in 1910. The blue in 1920. A little later for the blue. They are very pretty, though. They are very pretty. Mm -hmm. The breed remained very popular until after both World Wars and like most other heritage breeds, they declined with the advent of industrial farming. The barred rocks are also known to be pretty good winter layers. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're they're pretty cold hardy. That's why I don't understand why they decline so much because a lot of people want winter layers. I just think part of the problem was that keeping chickens went out of fashion at the same time too. I mean, now as keeping chickens is much more popular, the numbers of the Plymouth Rocks are high enough that they appear in the recovering category of the Livestock Conservancy's conservation priority list. That is no surprise to me. Yeah. Every feed store... Has barred rocks. Has barred rocks, absolutely. Or blue rocks or any kind of rocks that you want. I feel like you're just starting to see some of the other rock color varieties show up in the feed stores. Because before it was barred rock and only barred rock. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that. There isn't anything wrong. (laughs) I have Poppy and I have Bernadette back there. Okay, Plymouth Rock hens. Oh, good layers of light brown pinkish toned Mm -hmm. eggs. They're pretty large. Pretty large eggs and they produce around 200 plus a year. They are known to be good winter layers, but they will take a break. Well, yeah, they need a break. They need a break. While molting, they're not going to lay, and they will take a little break usually in December, Mm -hmm. early January, and then they start back. Okay, great. So they're going to give you about four eggs a week. They're not known for going broody, Okay, which is good for, you know, if you don't want a broody, this is a chicken for you. Right. I know their laying will slow down after the first two or three years, but you know, our two, they still laid a respectable number of eggs as they aged. Yeah, I just got one today. So either Poppy or Bernadette is starting to lay after a molt now. Okay. So the last few days, I've gotten a nice pinkish, light brown egg. Very good. I know that it's them because theirs have that pink tone to the Mm -hmm. brown. Yeah. Over the years, you just get to know whose eggs are whose. They're great with people. Yeah, they're friendly and they're laid back and they're really happy to just hang out with their families. They are great additions to a mixed flock, but you have to watch the dynamics and the space. I can talk about this personally. They can have strong personalities Mm -hmm. where they're not going to take anything from anybody. So I tend to put those chickens all together Mm -hmm. because they're able to handle each other. Exactly. 
we have the layback flock and then I have my big girls flock. I call it the big girls flock that has the Cuckoo Morans, the Bard Rocks. Somehow the Buff Orpingtons hold up because they're forever. Because they were the oldest girls. Yeah. I mean, our Bard Rocks were in with Rhode Island Reds. Yeah. They're good counterparts. Mm-hmm. They're going to be able to withstand, hey, somebody's going to pick on them a little bit. They're going to pick back. They're good that way. Some Bard Rocks, now this is just some, they can become bullies if they don't have enough space and they're bored. Yeah. Well, that's any chicken too. Right. Exactly. The other thing is if they're kept in a flock where they're in the middle of the pecking order with very docile chickens beneath them, they will sometimes pick on the lowest members of the flock. I mean, that's why when we talked about flock dynamics, uh, I can't remember which episode it was, but it's so important that you group your chickens according to their personality. Yeah. And some of that takes observation. You have to watch and see what's going on. Yeah. I will not add laid back chickens into that big girl flock Mm -hmm. because I know those barred rocks are going to be like, oh, exactly. here we go. You just have to watch. But they are the best homestead birds. They really are. They're true dual purpose. And the other thing is they make great show birds. They're beautiful. Yeah. Whether you're an adult showing or you have a kid who's a 4-H or showing, they're really fantastic in the show ring. And then comes the question, where can you get them? Pretty much anywhere these days. Anywhere is the answer. McMurray Hatchery has several colors. So they have the barred, the white, white, and then they have three more flocks that are APA approved, which means the flock meets show standards. Yes, they do. So they're silver penciled, they're partridge, and they're buff. Plymouth Rock flocks are APA approved. So Mm -hmm. if you get these chickens, you could put them in a show and see how they do. If you already had a showing program going, and you wanted to add some genetics that are show quality, this is a good place to get them. Yeah. The buff is beautiful, but the silver pencil and the partridge to me are really stunners. Yeah. There's nothing really bad to say about this chicken. Mm-hmm. It's just a carb working farm homestead bird that's going to produce for you. That's friendly. Watch with the flock dynamics, mm-hmm. put them with their same type of personality birds, and you're going to love this chicken. And you've got another American classic breed. Send us your picture of your barred rocks. We'd love to see them. (laughs) I have Penny and Bernadette. I'll send my pictures. If you're looking for a chicken coop that's produced in a planet-friendly, sustainable way, try Nestera. Each coop is made from highly durable, 100% recycled plastic that keeps the equivalent of up to 2,000 shampoo bottles out of a landfill. Their clean, modern design will fit into any garden or run area and comes with an industry-beating 25-year warranty and a range of handy accessories. Simple to put together, so quick and easy to clean, and most importantly, red mite resistant. Your chickens will love it. Quick shipping from Amazon.com or Nestera.us. Use our code CWTCLP10 for 10% off. Check them out today. Roosties proudly sponsors Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you're raising chicks or keeping chickens, take a look at Roosty's store on Amazon.com. We've personally tested their products and we're huge fans. They have their famous nesting pads, those fantastic chick water and feeder kits, do-it-yourself port feeder kits, water or nipple and water or cup kits. And you don't even need to drive to the stores. They're all available for prime delivery on Amazon.com. Visit Amazon.com and check out the Roosty's range or follow the link in our show notes. Okay, so let's move on to main topic. Yeah. Yeah. Main topic this week is... Another listener request. Yes. When is it time to call the vet? And that is a question During hours, It's a tough question. (laughs) It is. For everybody. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're a beginning 
chicken keeper mm-hmm. or a very seasoned chicken keeper. This goes across the board for all animals. And this is one where I have good instincts, I think, because mm-hmm. I worked in one for so mm-hmm. long. So we're going to talk about a few things that are happening to your chicken that might be, okay, it's oh, time. Th- th- you want to pick up the phone and dial, right? The first time you should call the vet is when you find a vet and you call them to set up a wellness visit. We talked about this before. It's really important with chickens, especially, because not every veterinarian out there is going to see a chicken just like most every veterinarian is going to see your dog or your cat. Right. That is a foot in the door. What that means is if you have an emergency, you can call that hospital and they will most likely get you in as soon as they can. Now, if you're not a patient there, a lot of places will see you, but you really, might have to wait for an opening. Right. Or some people aren't seeing new patients. Right. So this is why we said, when's the first time to call a vet? As soon as you get chickens mm-hmm. and get in the door. Exactly. Find a vet, do the research. You can contact us. We will help you. Mm-hmm. Go in for a visit. And even just check a stool sample, make sure there's yeah, no parasites. Yeah, it usually doesn't cost much. I'm sure it's across the board for different people. You're probably looking at anywhere from 35 to like $80 maybe. Right. And maybe then, not even that. Yeah, probably 35 to 50 mm-hmm. something like that. You meet the veterinarian and then you have a relationship. Yes. Yeah. So that's the very first time that you need to call a vet. Because what happens is when you have an emergency, you call and they say, sure, have we seen your birds before? Yes. And that right there, <laughs> that question is the one that makes all the difference. Okay, so let's go to number two, which is a big one. Uh Uh-huh. Crop issues. Yeah, crop issues. We've all been there. We've tried to do the -the over-the-counter remedies. We've tried some olive oil, some ACV, all of these things. I still see people on chicken forums giving out advice and saying, I cured my bird's sour crop with ACV. Well, you know, the chicken ladies like to keep it real. (laughs) If you, quote unquote, cured your chicken's sour crop with ACV, then your chicken did not have much of a sour crop. Yeah, exactly. So sour crop, we always say, is either bacteria or fungus in the crop. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times the veterinarian will do a swab and look at it under the microscope, tell you exactly what's too much in there and give you the right medicine to treat it. Crop issues can be some of the toughest. Yeah, If you have an infection or you have an impaction, those things need veterinary help. About half the time, if you don't get veterinary help, it's not going to end well. I would actually say a little more than half. Yeah, Yeah. I I first was going to say a lot higher, but Uh this is the part of the chicken that needs the proper medication. Absolutely. And the surgery, I mean, we're hearing from more and more listeners that their vets have decided to take on surgery for crops. And in general, it goes very, very well. It does. And the thing is, it's sometimes crop issues and no one tells you this. The first surgery isn't always going to work. Yeah. There's often a, a follow-up surgery. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a process to get crop issues fixed. And we're just going to give a little shout out to Sarah. Sarah has taken excellent care and done a ton of nursing for her hen Posy. Oh my goodness, yes, she has. a lot of crop issues. And so Sarah, kudos to you. She's been reaching out to us via email and she has done an excellent Mm -hmm. job. Yeah. Okay, so let's go to number three. Major wounds. Yes. We had Dr. Rebecca on to talk about predators. Mm -hmm. And she told us like 90% or it was higher than it was 90%. higher than ninety. It was a very high percentage of. Or it was like ninety eight, maybe mm-hmm. heal if they're at the vets within the first forty eight hours. Yeah. So wound care is another one. It either needs to be debrided or they need antibiotics. It may need stitching. Either way, you don't want to ignore it, especially if it's a hot time of year, right? Where there's a possibility of fly strike. But yeah. Chickens heal insanely well and quick. from large wounds. They do, yeah. And a vet to clean it out and get you going with the right medications. 
Just an FYI, we don't recommend using a polysporin on wounds. No, no. We really recommend a silver ointment because there's no way you can know without a culture under a microscope what kind of bacteria you're and dealing with. Their skin cells regenerate quickly. It's I mean, crazy really fast. Quick. So you don't want this to close over and then become an abscess afterwards. Mm-hmm. So having the right medications, and the thing is, usually those visits are not very expensive. No. They can look at it, give you the right medications. Like we said, Dr. Rebecca has told us generally she has really good success with healing. She has put up, if you follow Dr. Rebecca on Instagram, she's at Becca with chickens. Yeah. She has put up some really grisly photos of wounds that she has closed up and the chickens have healed and are good as new. Yeah. So let's go to number four, neurological symptoms. Terrifying. Yes. And the thing is, neurological symptoms can be of many different things or a few different things. One is heavy metal poisoning can cause neurological symptoms. Also, is Merrick's disease can cause Merrick's. neurological symptoms. Certain vitamin and mineral deficiencies can cause neurological problems. So it's best if you're seeing a chicken not be able to walk or pulling to one side that you like go ataxia, to the like they're walking like they're drunk. Things right. like Yeah, things like that. To head over because they might need some testing mm-hmm. to figure out what it is. If it's Merrick's, unfortunately, there is no cure for Merrick's. But if it's heavy metal poisoning, there is it a is treatment. Yes. So that's something that you would want to know. Those tests have to be done at the veterinarian. The same with the vitamin and mineral deficiency. I mean, you don't necessarily know what you're working with, but that is correctable. It, yeah. You can fix it, especially in the young ones. Yeah, for sure. So don't be afraid of that. Right. Okay. Infections. Anytime you're seeing infection, it could be grounds for a vet to have it cleaned out. I'm thinking off the top of my head of keel blister abscesses. Yeah. You definitely want that cleaned up by a vet and you want the appropriate antibiotics. And that could be topical antibiotics plus oral. Oral, exactly. So then we're going to go suspected parasite load. It's always, always best if you're seeing something and you have a relationship with that veterinarian just to drop a stool sample off, let them identify it. They can help you with a dewormer or, you know, there's a broad spectrum out there. But if you're seeing them not feel well and you see something in the stool, it's always good to go. Yeah. The thing with the fecal egg count is then you know what you're working with. Then you know what's in your ground and what you're combating. Yeah. And it helps you target your dewormers a little better. Oh, yeah. Oh, heavy metal poisoning. Holly Ann has a lot of experience with this right now. Way more than I would like. It often presents as neurological. There can be some other things too. One of them is a slow or not moving crop, crop stasis. So some of these things end up tying together. They tie together. And the thing is, like we said, heavy metal poisoning has a treatment. Yeah. So you would want to know, this goes back to the neurological symptoms and the other things. That's why you go and you have them test for lead and zinc, because those would be the heavy metals that you're looking for, that the vet's going to be looking for. It's a simple blood test right from the wing. It's quick and easy to draw the blood for this. The test, I mean, it's going to vary area to area, but our tests here are around $80, which honestly, I think is well worth it if you can figure out what's going on with your flock, if you have these kinds of issues. So it's very treatable. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to eight, which is egg laying issues. Yeah, egg binding. I have experience with this. Uh Last summer, I lost my periwinkle. She had reproductive cancer, and she was under the care of Dr. Rebecca for multiple months. So these things, you can make your chicken more comfortable. Mm -hmm. You can find out what's going on. Right. It's usually via x-ray. You want to make sure that there's not an egg stuck. Right. So if they're having trouble laying eggs or laying soft-shelled eggs, or in my periwinkle's case, it was an egg without any shell. Yeah. 
If you see that and that yolk was inside, you have to go to the vet very quickly and get on antibiotics. There's a whole bundle of reproductive issues that range from simply not enough calcium or maybe a stuck egg all the way to reproductive cancer and all kinds of variations in between. And a doctor is going to be able to help you diagnose what it is, give you real world advice for what you're dealing with. And most importantly, they will give you anti-inflammatory and pain medication. Yeah. So even if you get the worst possible news, you have palliative care for your chicken. To make them as comfortable as possible for as long as possible. And in some cases, it's something easy. It's an easy fix. Yeah. But, you know, an x-ray or just a vet doing an exam is enough to tell you. Yeah. Okay. Next is water belly or fluid in the abdomen. Yeah. And you can feel that. I'm a big advocate of picking up your chickens and feeling what they feel like on an everyday basis. Yeah. Feeling what they feel like normally, the fat pads under feels like yes. versus fluid. Yep. Chickens, when they get different reproductive problems or anything organ, else, like, organ um, failure, yeah. they get fluid. Their fluid backs up. This is one of the things. And when you pick them up, you want to know what that feels like. like. If you know what edema is in humans or any other right. animal, essentially, this is abdominal edema in your chicken. And if you're feeling this, that is a time to call the veterinarian. Right. The water belly can lead back to a lot of the things we've already talked about. Right. Claire, when she had heavy metal poisoning, had a day where she had a weird... Yeah. You remember that? She had weird yeah. fluid in the abdomen. And after we started the treatment, it went away. There's so much we don't really understand about the heavy metal poisoning. It but causes a lot of problems. Exactly. Okay. Breathing problems. Respiration issues. That is time to call the vet right away. If you see any nasal discharge, anything, it could be a respiratory infection. Mm -hmm. It could be something in the air sacs. Exposure to mold or spores, like an allergy, almost like chicken asthma. They can get a yeast infection Mm -hmm. also that they need special medication on that causes respiratory problems. Right. You're not going to be able to figure that out or get the medicine unless you call the vet. Breathing problems, I would say, is a pretty good emergency. You want to get them in. Definitely. So the last two are sort of symptoms. So we're going to start with birds that are puffed, not moving, not eating. And that is a sure sign that your chicken is sick. Mm -hmm. This is one of the things they do when they're further along in an illness. Right. Those symptoms are not the first that you're going to see. Right. When they get to the point where they're puffed and not moving and not eating, they aren't feeling good and they can't hide it anymore. Right. The two that I would separate slightly are babies that are puffed, not moving, not eating. That often means they're cold. Right. Or adults that are puffed, not moving, not eating. Could also be very cold. The Fayumis will do this. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, when it's really windy well, out, they might do that. Well, what I'm saying is be familiar with your birds. Yeah. And know if this is a normal or not. Yeah. We've been big advocates of putting them out in the morning and spending the time with them and watching their behavior patterns because you will see something quicker. And if you catch it sooner in a chicken, it's very, very helpful. Because by the time that they're to this point, they need medical care pretty quickly and they need medicine pretty quickly. So if your hen usually pops out the door in the morning and runs all around and does all of her stuff, but she stays on the roost or she comes down and just stands in a corner, that's time to intervene. Yeah, as soon as you see it. Mm -hmm. So the other one is purple or blue comb can sometimes be circulatory problems or just they need to wake up a little bit more in the morning. Yeah, the same with a very pale face and comb. So if they're molting, they might go very pale. Yes. And the circulatory thing, you really notice that with people with big combs, especially roosters. In the morning. Yeah, in the morning. They'll come out and they'll have a little edge of blue on the back of the comb. 
The first time I saw this years ago, it scared the daylights out of me because there was no information about it anywhere. And what you do is you watch that yep. and see if it changes within the next half an hour. Or yeah. So usually it does. They come out, they run around, they eat, they do their stuff, and you look at them and the comb is normal again. So I don't know if it's a cold thing, if yeah. it's they've stayed still. It's almost always on ones with big combs, it though. It is. I agree. The very pale face and comb can be a lot of things. And that can even go back to taking a stool sample. Parasites can cause yeah. that. All so these can things. the heavy metal poisoning. Yeah. yeah. And I want to add one that we didn't put on, and that is complicated bumblefoot. Yeah. If you take a scab off and you can't clean out what's under it, in other words, if the infection is deeper or bigger or whatever, take that to the vet. Oh, yeah. They can put or your bird. Or if you try to treat it and it doesn't get better, yeah. go to the vet. Exactly. It's time to call the vet. So it really is important to have that relationship with your veterinarian because mm-hmm. you're going to actually save money, to be honest with you. In the long run, you definitely do. We you speak from money. hard experience. Yeah, because we've been down that road. We've done all the at-home stuff. And in the end, you end up spending more. It's also so much better to go to a doctor. Yeah. Uh, instead of trying to figure this out, you're throwing money at it. You're upset. You don't know what you, you know. You're looking you don't at know every floral out there. Oh, yeah. You're Googling everything. Yeah. If you can take them to the vet and a vet who is competent in poultry care can make your life way easier. Yeah. There is no harm in calling the doctor. No, no. Generally, if you're unsure, you can usually call the vet's office. You can leave a question for the vet. They'll call you back or someone on the reception staff will call you back and say, yeah, she'd like to see your chicken. Or no, you're probably okay for a few more days. Keep her posted. Yeah. Our offer still stands. If you need help finding a vet, we will help you. Reach out to us. Yeah. We just helped another person today. We did. Reach out to us via direct message or email. We will do our best to help you find a vet in your area that will treat your poultry. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's move on to cracking the eggs. Cracking those eggs. Today's cracking the eggs is apple marzipan cakes. Yum. Yeah, they're really good. Now, I developed this recipe specifically because I got this amazing Wilton baking pan that has 12 little square cake molds. Oh, yeah. Those are cute. Because you can actually make this one big cake if you want to. Okay. But they come out so cute, the little square individual cakes. I love little mini pans. Yeah. You could probably do this in a mini buntlet pan too. Oh yeah, those are cute. But I had the square when I wanted to use it. So this is a little more of a splurge on your eggs. You're looking at three eggs. Okay. If the pullets start laying, would it be good? Right? My sweet Abigail Adams, the Nankin, is my only bird laying as of right now. <laughs> I went to the grocery store and bought eggs. <laughs> I did. And I don't even want to know what I paid for them because I bought the ones that, you know, come from pastured. <laughs> like I wasn't going to buy any egg that wasn't from a well-kept chicken. And I told you this on the phone earlier. Yeah. They were well summer eggs. Yeah. So. Three eggs, whether it's from a well summer or not, (laughs) you want three eggs. A cup of sugar. Six tablespoons of butter or plant-based butter. You want it melted. I just pop it in the microwave. Yeah, some vanilla. You want one and a half cups of all-purpose flour or gluten-free all-purpose flour. And that's one to one. Mm -hmm. Two tablespoons of baking powder. Because we want some rise. That's right. A third of a cup of milk. I used oat milk for this. And a cup of almond flour. Yes. Now, the magical ingredients. About half of a cup of marzipan diced into small bits. I always have that in my spices. I love marzipan. Yeah. And you want two cups of apples peeled, cored, and diced. So that's probably like two or three small apples or two medium-sized apples. We put down optional powdered sugar, but in my house, it's not optional. It looks so pretty when you sift it over the top. I did everything I make, I put powdered sugar. (laughs) Because you guys (laughs) like the sugar. You could also make a nice little glaze that would look pretty on the mini cakes. So it's the usual cake temperature, 350. Yeah. Grease or spray either a mini mold cake pan Mm -hmm. or a nine by nine inch baking dish. 
It's actually very easy. You don't even have to use your beater if you don't want to. Okay. What I do, everything's going to go in the same big baking dish. I put the butter in first. I pop it in the microwave for 20 seconds and melt it. Right. Then I put in the eggs, the sugar, and the vanilla. Okay. And you're just going to whisk it until smooth. And then you're going to add in your flour, your baking powder, and then just stir it till it's combined. Then add in the milk and the almond flour. And then you're going to stir it again. Mm-hmm. After that, you're going to fold in the diced apples and the marzipan. You want to work quickly. Like you don't want it to rise while it's in the bowl. And you don't want to over stir Exactly. This. It's a, what would you call this? It's kind of rustic dessert, yeah. you know? Yeah. I use a smaller soup ladle and I ladle the batter into yeah. all the holes. It's just easier. I, you know what I use? I use an ice cream scoop. That with, works. Yeah, same I, principle. When you squeeze it, it takes all the extra batter uh-huh. and it gets it out of there. That, that will work perfectly. You're going to pop it in the oven at 350 for 22 minutes. It's more like 40 to 50 minutes if you're using a large baking pan. Yeah, if you or think about pan. it, you have a bigger thing to bake. Exactly. So it's going to take longer. And it's going to be really moist with all the apples and things. So the small ones for 22 minutes or until the toothpick comes out clean and the cakes are golden brown on the edges and the top. Take them out and allow them to cool. Put that powdered sugar on top. <laughs> <laughs> I put a nifty little powdered sugar sifter on my wedding registry. Uh-huh. And somebody did give it to me and I use it all the time. <laughs> It looks, for, especially if you do these for Christmas dinner yeah. or something like yeah. that. It's a really silly thing, but I love serving individual desserts. They're cute. At dinners, they're really cute, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you're going to let it cool, and then you're going to take them out. Because if you're not cool all the way... They're going to fall apart. Or they're going to stick. Absolutely. When they're too warm, uh-huh. you know? Yep. So make sure you let them cool, and then you can dust them or do the icing. Yeah, it's easy. Just take your powdered sugar and add a couple drops of liquid if you want to make a glaze and pour yeah, that over top. Exactly. You could actually do powdered sugar and a little bit of maple syrup if yeah. you want some maple with that. That might be overkill though because the almond paste is sweet. Yeah. But well, it's going to be good. It's good. Try it. Tell us if you like it. Okay, so let's move on to retail therapy. Retail therapy. Yeah. yeah. We need Christmas music. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> We wish you a Merry Christmas. (laughs) Okay, so retail therapy this week is chicken Christmas ornaments because we're at the end of November, but you want to get them now so that you can enjoy them. Yeah, yeah, you do. And also because they can sell out sometimes. They will sell out this time of the year. We were in Williamsburg last year and we came across a chicken ornament. (laughs) There was only one. They had all sold. I mean, the women at the store were like, oh, they've been selling like crazy. I know. Everywhere I go, I always look for like the farm animal section. Uh-huh. Yeah. And sometimes they have chickens and sometimes they don't. But oh, we went to Valley View Farms last year too. And they said the same thing. The whole farm tree was gone. And I, I think we went like the second week in December. I think so. Yeah. And it was like sold out. It was empty. So was now we've got to go quicker. <laughs> yeah. They do have a lot of chicken ornaments at Valley View Farms. That is a big, big nursery by us. Right. And they, during the holidays, take the whole inside and make it into like a Christmas wonderland. It's really neat. But they sell out of chicken ornaments so quick. They do. They have a lot of glass ornaments. I'm always looking for chickens or sheep or the occasional llama or alpaca. Yeah. And we each have our own chicken tree. That's a fun thing to try. It is fun to do the chicken tree. It is. It's all your chicken ornaments. Uh Uh-huh. I tend to go to Tractor Supply and buy them out. Tractor Supply has a lot of stuff, yeah. For chicken ornaments. Chicken ornaments, And they're they do. like $4.99. They're inexpensive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every year, though, I'm kind of like, come on, get some new ones. I do a lot of damage on eBay. Oh, yeah. I've given you a few vintage chickens that I've come up with. eBay might be better. Etsy has some. Yeah. But I think eBay might be better for the Christmas ornaments. Etsy has a lot of handmade. Yes. eBay has a lot of vintage. And one of my absolute favorite buys on eBay, it was a pair. You have one and I have one. Yeah. They're porcelain coach and roosters. Yes. Yeah. That's one of my favorites. But he stayed out all year. I know. You never put him away. I know. 
He's up on the table. Yeah. yeah. I look at my little chickens that sit around all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, and even the Christmas ones, I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not going to put it away. I know. It, makes, I like it just makes me happy too. Yeah. So you were saying that Hallmark had a chicken ornament. It's really cute. It's garden themed. It's called Marjolein's Garden Winter Roost Chicken Ornament. It's like a bucket that's knocked over. There's a hen and a chick nesting in it. There's a trail next to it because, you know, it's like a gardening bucket and it's got some snow on it. It's really cute. So I'll link that in the show notes. Old World Christmas has favorite beautiful blown glass ornaments. Yeah. And they have several chicken or chickeny ornaments. And I think like every year I try to splurge and get one because they're a little Uh bit more expensive. My sister gave me, oh, she gave me two. She gave me a rooster and she gave me a chick. And the chick is on one of those little clips. Yeah. They're definitely both old world. Now, I've packed up all my chicken ornaments. They're coming out. But I believe I got the coop last year. I splurged. Oh, we did went you get to the Willi- coop? I think we went to Williamsburg. And no, that's you where got, I got the it. spring hen at Williamsburg. Yes, you're right. The spring hen. Uh-huh. Because that's the one there was only one. And I got that one. And you got that one. <laughs> I got a llama instead. That's okay. I got a llama. It's all right. I did get the coop. Did somebody give me the coop? Somebody may have given it to you. I'm going to need to get a bigger Christmas tree for my chicken ornaments. Uh-huh. You probably will. My chicken tree is bigger than yours. It is. Mine is that vintage looking white one. Yeah. <laughs> I think that also really good ornaments. I keep mentioning tractor supply, but they do have the signs. I love putting those on the tree. The little tin signs. The tin signs. Or I guess they're aluminum, whatever they are. They yeah. are. They're so cute. They are really cute. I put those all on the tree also, but just a farm tree, a chicken tree. It's so much fun. My pet chicken has some really cute ornaments too. Oh, nice. They, they used to have little wooden coop ornaments that were adorable. Yeah. They might still have them. I'm going to go out on a limb and say eBay is my go-to because okay. I like the vintage ones. Yeah. I like Old World Christmas and I do like Tractor Supply for their chicken Christmas ornaments. I love Old World too. I love the glass ones. Yeah. They're so beautiful. And I'll do sheep and llamas and alpacas on my tree. <laughs> Old World gives you a lot of possibilities. And classic. They're just very they classic. Are. They're mm-hmm. the blown glass. They're like... They usually have a little glitter on them. They're really, really pretty. Yeah. That's a chicken lady splurge. I mean, I Christmas suppose you time. can make your own chicken tree. I've seen vintage, almost like paper doll material chickens. Oh, yeah. You can hang them up. You could make a garland of paper chickens. Yeah. All that stuff. You could. We do it. We have a chicken tree, each of us. <laughs> now, you got a topper from Tractor Supply, didn't you? Yes. yes it's a I, rooster weather vane. Yeah. That's on the top of the chicken tree. I mean, everything on that tree is chicken. Uh-huh. Or farmy, you know, like uh, I've got some of the farm lights and stuff like that on there. Right. But it is so fun to go with a tree with a theme. And why not chickens? I love just the collecting for it all year. Yeah. Well, especially this time of year. Exactly. Or I'll get up with a cup of coffee in the morning, feed the dogs, sit down and look at eBay. <laughs> or I just look <laughs> at my tree. I'm like, oh, it looks so pretty. That too. Okay. So if you have some really cool ornaments, send us some pictures. We'd love to see we them. We want to see them. Okay. So should we tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week? Next week, the first week of December, we are talking about a very rare European breed, the Ulsterier. Yes, we are. Our main topic, we're doing two minis. We're going to talk about egg labels, deciphering egg labels this time of year. Because this might be the time of the year you're going to need to... And one of us may have to buy some eggs. So, (laughs) Our other topic is how to medicate your chickens. Yes. Quick and useful. Our recipe is delicious. It's Jackie's corn pudding. That's That's my mom's. That's one of your mom's, yeah. And Retail Therapy, we're going to be joined by a guest. We're going to have the wonderful Camille and Bree, the rescue rooster. So much fun. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what should we tell everybody to do until next week? Hug your chickens. Every day and kiss them too. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. 
if you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening.